Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, frequent listeners and viewers of our podcast know that our plan for 2024 is to talk with leaders from both within and outside the RSP member community about their leadership journeys and what they've learned along the way. Our special guest today is Ryan Gervin, the CEO of value-added distributor Bluestar. Ryan joined Bluestar in 2001 as a controller before being promoted to VP of Finance, then CFO, then COO, and then to CEO. Ryan, welcome to the Trusted Advisor. Thank you very much for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. No, glad to have you here. So Blue Star, very well known in our industry, but not everybody knows you. So can you tell us about your path from working outside our channel a little over two decades ago to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, my path, uh, I, don't, I don't have a lot on my resume. I, I worked four years straight out of college in public accounting. And uh, that was the oldest accounting firm in Cincinnati. And it was it was a small group, but luckily enough for me, one of their clients was Blue Star. So um, that's how I kind of got integrated into Blue Star early. I got to know who they were. I got to know who the players were and built some of those relationships. So I spent four years in public accounting. And then uh, I could see I could see the potential that Blue Star had, but I could also see the growing pains that they were having. So um, near the end of my career in public accounting, I had reached out to to Doug Bivens, their uh, controller at the time, and said, "Hey, you're you're going to need some help, and when you do, please uh, keep me in mind." So about six months later, I got that call, and he brought me on board, and it's been a, a wild ride ever since. So as you said, I've been here for 22 years. Uh, you know, I've matured a lot over the years, and it's pretty crazy to see where the company's uh, grown to. And uh, you got my titles right. It's uh, <laughs> CFO, COO, and amazingly, the uh, CEO at this point. But, and, and as you know, due to a very tragic um, circumstance that we experienced last November with our founder and CEO president, uh, Steve Kuntz, passing away. But um, I'm very honored to be able to step into his role and try to carry the torch on behalf of the company. Great. Yeah. And so you, you uh, that's why I was going to mention you're following in the footsteps of the late Steve Kuntz uh, passed away uh, in November. And so industry legend, right? Like you said, the person who led Blue Star from three employees to a billion dollar company. And before we talk about the challenge of leading a successful growing organization, right? You've seen it from when it was smaller, maybe not three, but smaller and growing up. Can you talk first about Steve as a mentor? Like, how did he mentor you? Like, was it formal training? Was it informal? And then what are some of the key lessons that you learned from him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that probably his tactic was more informal. Uh, there was very often just meetings and discussions about um, just education, right? I always felt comfortable sitting down with him and tell, saying, hey, help me understand why you made this decision or what's going on. And, you know, with that approach, he was always willing to share. When I started at Blue Star, one of the things that I asked them about was, you know, do I need to go and get a master's or an extra degree or uh, a license in something? And they said, you're going to learn more here under us 
if you want to go do that for your own personal reasons, then have at it. But you're, we're going to teach you plenty. And, and it's been a great education. And I would say that, you know, for Steve, early on, he really taught me about two things. Um, and I would say that's being accountable and being prepared. And so when I say accountable, it's not just personal accountability. It was, you know, I might turn something in or give some data and maybe that information wasn't correct. And it wasn't so much like, shucks, you messed up. Hey, you know, be better next time. But he really kind of instilled in me that what if that data was the data that he used to make a decision and now he's making the wrong decision on behalf of the company? So you owe it to all the employees to come in prepared and be accountable for the data that you're giving whomever is making that decision. So, you know, that was a different aspect for me. You know, it, you kind of walk in and you go, well, shucks, I, I messed that up or my spreadsheet didn't total correctly. But there were bigger ramifications for screwing up. And that was one thing that he really kind of instilled in me. And then the other say, thing I would say is uh, preparedness. And if you know Steve, you know that, um, you know, Steve, Steve had a unique way of looking at a lot of stuff. And anytime I would go to Steve and I would be looking for um, approval for a solution or dialogue, tell me if I'm on the right track or not. I would always, I learned very early on to, to try to think through everything from every point of view you could possibly come up with. And, you know, that's tough to do, especially early on in your career. Right. But, you know, it never got any better. And as much as you might, you know, rack your brain and think that you've come in with the perfect solution, he would inevitably have something. And he'd say, well, did you consider this? And he's like, ah, all right. <laughs> So, you know, that could be very frustrating at times, but I'll tell you that I truly believe that that is how he sharpened all of us around here, was not to just go to the first solution that you think is proper, but think through it all. And I think we've all benefited from that kind of uh, mindset. And so, can thank you so much for that. Those are great details. Can you even zoom out a little bit? Because, again, this is the third of our, you know, uh, leadership podcast that we've been doing. And things that have come up in the first couple, our first initiative, right, in terms of, like you said, it wasn't just Steve pulled you to the side and said, let me explain this to you. You were asking him um, a lot of questions. And then another thing that's really come up is candor. Right. In terms of if you want to get better, you have to be open to an understanding failure is part of the process and getting corrected for that is is important. I guess. Can you talk about those aspects as well? Kind of combine the initiative to put yourself out there and talk about how can I do better? And then the initiative to be prepared and not just go, uh, this is good enough and being ready for folks to tell you this is where it can get better. And not just folks, but again, the founder and CEO uh, of the company like that's that can be scary stuff. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I'm sure it was a, a great thing for me to be able to have that exposure to Steve, right, and and not be sheltered from it. And, you know, Steve was the kind of guy that uh, the one thing that he was, was he was loyal to everyone. And if you showed the initiative and showed that you had the desire to, to dig in and help him and help the team, then, you know, you, you were given the ability to mess up because of the fact that that was an investment. And he would always say, it's how you learn, right? You've got to make those mistakes to make sure, you know, and that we're growing. 
And, you know, it wasn't always fun, right? And, you know, he would be quick to correct. And, uh, but then he was also quick to point out the flaws and how we should have gone about thinking about it differently. So as long as you were willing to take that shot and, you know, voice your opinion, be, uh, be engaging, he was willing to spend the time and effort to grow each one of us. Yeah, and I think a lot of people knew him, you know, they saw him as an entrepreneur. Also, people knew him as a, a football player, right? He was a running back yeah. in college, and right, he had that, like, you know, uh, go uh, right on in. But people, a lot of people didn't know him, like, he had an accounting background, right. right? And so he was very, like you said, organized, prepared, things of that nature. Can you share with some folks, maybe some behind the scenes in terms of maybe that part that they didn't see in terms of the preparation, the organization um, that might have gotten overshadowed by some of those other qualities? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that probably surprises a lot of people that Steve was an accountant. And uh, it makes my job more difficult, right? When your boss and uh, Doug Bivens obviously was an accountant, Steve Koontz was an accountant. So when your bosses know accounting uh, as good as you, and of course the joke was always who knew accounting better, but uh, it, it makes it a little more difficult. But it also is great too, because they were great resources for me. I, I had a resource. I didn't have to go outside looking for help. I could just go up and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me out with this? And they were always more than willing to do it. But they also know very quickly how to tell you how you might have been doing something wrong because they know how to do your job just as well as you do. So it's right. uh, there's pros and cons to both. Right. It's like an athlete. Like if you're a basketball player, like, oh, I get to play with some NBA guys and what a great learning opportunity. But also you're going to get dunked on sometimes. Right. <laughs> any any right. flaw that you have, it's, it's going to be exposed. So but yeah, iron sharpens iron and you got to be yeah. willing to do that. So uh, right. so we talked about Steve as a mentor. Can you talk about besides him, who are some other leaders that you looked up to as mentors, folks who've helped you shape your leadership approach? Like what did they who are they? What did they do? What do they say that's had a, a lasting impact on you? Sure. Uh, and I'd already mentioned uh, Doug Bivens, and, and Doug really was, he, he was a great leader for me. We worked together for a long time, as I said, public accounting, he was there. And then when I came on, we worked for 22 years together. And so he was, I owe him a lot for what he's done for me in my career. Uh, he and I worked together, we traveled together quite a bit, we lived a lot of life together, but we also had a lot of fun doing it along the way. But one way that he was a good mentor to me was I always felt like I could approach him with anything. And so, you know, we would leave a meeting and if I was maybe, say, shy about asking a question in front of a group and didn't want to, you know, expose my ignorance, I could sit down in a meeting behind closed doors with him and ask him for understanding. And I never felt like, you know, I was being ridiculed or belittled by him even on you know topics that maybe were uh, i'll say controversial not that they really were but maybe there was more than one approach to it i could sit down with him and say hey you know here's what my thoughts were on it help me understand your thoughts and hear me out right and he always did he always gave me the time and um he he would invest the time not just to listen but to also instruct so i really appreciated that and so I took that as if it meant a lot to me that Doug would take that kind of time with me, then I wanted to make sure that I was also um, exhibiting that 
to the people that I was leading. Excellent. No, thank you for that. Yeah, Doug's uh, been a great guy. I've got to know him, yeah. you know, over the past 20 uh, plus years or so. So yeah. uh, any okay. other mentors uh, you'd want to talk about? Yeah, I was going to say, and this one isn't actually so much a person, but I'll say um, it was a book that really kind of got me uh, thinking about leadership differently. And that book is The 360 Degree Leader by John Maxwell. And I read that years ago, and I was probably frustrated at the time at maybe not feeling like I was uh, respected as a leader, right? I was probably, you know, more young and immature in my career at the time. And I think that, you know, the idea that a title brings you uh, leadership and respect, and quite honestly, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So when I read that book, it really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, you've got to be intentional about leadership. But if you're intentional about it, and you're relatable to people, you can lead people from all angles. I, leadership to me at the time was always how I'm leading the direct reports to me. But then when I read that book, I was like, you know, you really can lead sideways to your peers. You can even lead up. And so by reading that book, that really kind of got me inspired to say, you need to go about this a different way. And so that that's really kind of what I would say spurred me to try to go at it at a different angle. And I really kind of owe a lot to to that book as well. Yeah, I've got some Maxwell books on the on the shelf behind me, but I've not read 360 Degree Leader. Um, I will definitely add that to my list. But it's interesting you bring that up. One of the best leaders I ever uh, worked with, his name was John Dudenhofer. He was retired from the Air Force and his last job at the Air Force, he was the commandant of their leadership academy, right? So he was the leader of all the leaders. And the biggest thing that he emphasized was just what you were talking about in terms of like, if you want to teach people to be good followers, how are you as a follower, right? You can't always be, I'm leading, 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 right? You sometimes have to follow other people and sometimes it's collaborating with them. How are That's you right. at deferring to them and making sure that they're involved? And that was really like, oh, never quite thought of it. Uh, that way. And that's that's been in the back of my mind. That's, that sounds like that's a lot of what that book taught you is not just how are, how are these people going to follow me, but how am I going to support them? How are you going to make sure I work well with others and lead from every angle? Absolutely. You got that right. And that's it's, you know, avoiding the politics that might be in the company. And, and like you said, it doesn't have to be my solution. It could be whoever's solution, but get on board, collaborate around that, be a team member have a voice, right? If you're sitting in meetings and you're not speaking up and you're, a, uh, say, a wallflower, and it's like, oh, what did what did they bring to the meeting? You need to bring something to the meeting, right? Why, why are you here? And, uh, you know, just being prepared. Kind of going back to what I was saying about Steve is yep. when you come to a meeting, be prepared. You do yep. those things and people are going to start trusting in you. Yeah, good things are going to happen for sure. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Epson, 
Heartland, and ScanSource. And our platinum sponsor is somebody Ryan will recognize. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Uh, finally, we want to make sure everybody knows registration is now open for Retail Now 2024, the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. This year's event is set for July 28th through 30th at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas. For more information, go to GoRSPA.org forward slash retail now retail now is where the industry meets so all right well thank you for that and so i, I want to ask you and this is be a, a tough question so you know talk about the leadership challenge that's ahead of you we talked earlier that steve passed away uh november 4th we're recruit uh, we're recording this in early february and so of 2024 the following year so i i, I want to know I, i'm sure you want to carry on steve's legacy but Absolutely. at the same time, right, you have to be true to yourself and lead the way that you're the most comfortable. And so it certainly helps you work side by side with Steve, right? And you're on the Blue Star board together and did that for so many years. But That's I guess, right. can you frame up for our listeners and viewers, like, how do you see your challenge as a leader, especially as a first year CEO? What are you thinking about? What actions are you taking? Like, maybe more importantly, what actions are you maybe intentionally not taking because you don't want to be disruptive? I guess, talk about that challenge if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, with when Steve passed in November, really, quite honestly, my focus was let's just finish the year strong, right? Let's let's not focus on reinventing any wheel. Let's just do what we do on a daily basis and finish the year strong. So now that we're in 2024, okay, it's, it's time to have some of those conversations and and start tweaking some things. There's always areas that you can tweak, right? So it's a uh, it's for me, it's learning from a different perspective and uh, a mindset change. I'm definitely trying to learn to be more thinking and working on the business and not in the business, getting out of the weeds as much as I can. And, and it's early, right? So I give myself some grace. So, okay, it's been a month into the year. We'll, we'll get there. The aspect that I've been working with people for you know 20 plus years that have now all of a sudden become a direct report to which were peers in the uh, in the past well, that's a different perspective as well so you know just trying to i'm a very uh, i probably overthink everything so i spent a lot of time in thought and uh, strategizing on my approach to things so uh, especially when it comes to dealing with personalities that i've dealt with but i'm now dealing with them in a different context i just want to make sure that i don't misstep and uh, and lose the the trust and support that i've had everyone has been super supportive and i suspect that that'll continue but you know you, you don't want to misstep too soon and uh, or anytime but the um and, and one of the things that i'm focused on and i think this is not something that's just relevant to me this was relevant to everybody and to steve beforehand is company culture I think that we can do uh, a better job. We need to be intentional about working on our company culture. We do. Uh, we need to communicate more with our our, our um, employees. And so, for me, as I'm trying to contemplate on setting a vision, you know, I also wonder now, what is that vision? How might it stop if? Um, if it doesn't permeate down to the employees because maybe someone is either intentionally or unintentionally blocking it. So, you know, I'm just trying to be very mindful of making sure that the vision is spread throughout the company. 
Great. Uh, thank you for uh, for that. I, I want to follow up on a few of those items. Sure. First, when you talk about culture and communication, remember Tony Shea, uh, who was the CEO of Zappos, and he said, you know, even if uh, communication is one of the best things that you do, there's always room to improve with communication. Right? Like no matter what, that is just an, an ongoing right. thing. I'm hoping you can dive a little bit more into that concept of, you know, you had folks who were peers who you worked with side by side for so long, and mm-hmm. then you move into the role where you're their their boss, right? Their supervisor. Um, and I know a lot of our members are going through this as well, right? Because they're delegating to somebody inside the business to take over and lead the business. And so even if you're a five-person company, right, and you're moving up and supervising now three people who you've worked elbow to elbow with before, can you talk about that challenge? And what are you doing about that to make that go as as smooth as possible, if you're willing to share that? Sure. And it's it's a process, right? And I'm early on in the process. It's trying to get others to um, understand that I I need them right from a supportive stand role uh, standpoint to to be maybe more of the legs and the feet than uh, the hands and the feet of getting things done and for some that's a different process than maybe we've had in 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 their roles so it's kind of just letting them know you have the ability to go do this. You have the title, you have everything you need. And so it's just having those conversations to say, you don't need to come to me for approval on this. You don't need to come to me. If you want to come to me for, you know, bouncing ideas off of me, I'm happy to do it. But please understand that you already have the ability. So just go and do it, do what's right. And you've been here longer than I have. You know, the, you know, the right answer, Mm -hmm. just go do it. And I, I I was talking to a customer of ours, and he's to your point. He's a five, six, seven person company, and and he's tired, right? And we were talking about it, and he feels like he's the one that makes all the decisions. And that is one aspect that I do appreciate that I have a team, and it's just going back to them now and saying, okay, let's work together. This isn't. I'm not taking shots at you. But we all know every department, even my finance department, we can all be better. And if you go in with the right approach and if they know that you're doing it with the right heart, then it's a it's a much easier conversation to have. Uh, yes. Yeah. If the if the intent, everybody agrees upon the intent is pure to try to figure this out together, that's going to go along the way as opposed to that's are right. you taking something away from me on my job? Are you trying to take over? And I guess this is if I can uh, paint this picture for you, you, tell me if you agree with this or not. And this is for anybody transitioning into a leadership role or anybody in your current organization that your direct direct reports need to know what stuff can they do on their own? What stuff is their overlap, right, where you should be bouncing stuff off one another? And then what things are they going to bring to you? And it's ultimately your decision because somebody has to make the call. And it sounds like you have to communicate that and that you have to always keep communicating that so folks know where those different areas are. I guess, do you agree with that? Am I painting that the right way? Is that kind of the, the challenge that uh, the one of the things you're you're tackling now? I, I think that's accurate. And, and that's the piece that I'm working on now is to reinforce to them, you have the ability to make these decisions. And so... It's not that they're making decisions that I would prefer them to bring to me. I'm. It's the opposite. You mm-hmm. have the ability. Go ahead and make those decisions. And 
we've been working so close together. I don't think anyone's going to make a decision that uh, that they don't come to me when they should, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we'll navigate that when it comes to it. But I think for now, my focus is more on empowering them to make those decisions in the place that they are today. Got it. Great. And it can't just be between your ears. You have to communicate it back and forth and they have to, you have to make sure you're on, on the same page. Talk about the challenge of now working more uh, in the business versus on the business. And I guess maybe I'm asking this from a uh, personal standpoint, because when I, I, when I moved into an operations manager role, I was still working on the business. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was working in the business too much to the point where the owner of the company asked me what I was in the middle of. I told him and he said, well, apparently I need to get a new operations manager because you're not willing to do the job. You should be delegating that to somebody else. And right. I was like, "Woo!" like turning up the heat on me uh, <laughs> right away. Can you talk about that challenge of, you know, moving from the role of the COO, right? Your operating officer to moving more in that vision role and, and transitioning to work uh, more on the business. Can you can you talk about that, the challenge, and how you're navigating that? Sure. Yeah, it's it's a challenge, and I think it's too because it's so new for me that I still I I really try to evaluate what I'm touching all day long, and just have that thought of going, is this something I should be working on, or is this something I should be passing off to someone else to take? And at the time, I might be in the weeds but at least I'm making a note or I'm coming back and following up later and saying, hey, I'm, I did this this time, but this is gonna start coming to you now because this really does fall more in your bucket and I'm gonna get out of it. It's so easy to get into the weeds, right? Because it's where we've been forever. Right. And so I try to be intentional about taking time to myself, just sit back. People probably think I'm just staring out the window. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. And I'm pondering over, you know, I try to take each one of our divisions. How are things going? What do I need to take care of? And, you know, people, just strategy, right? And I've got to take that time because if I don't take that personal time to do it, then I won't. And, you know, our board very much is in line with that process as well. We talk about it all the time. We've got to work on the business. So I know that I have the support behind me. No one's sitting there telling me, you know, hey, get in the weeds and why aren't you doing more of this? So they do allow me the luxury of stepping out occasionally and I need to do better at it. It's it's a work in process. Yes, yeah, it's an ongoing thing. And I can say Michelle Sirwa, so president of Blue Star Canada, former uh, chair of the RSPA board. And so when I moved into this uh, RSPA CEO position, Michelle was my, uh, soon to be my boss, right? Because he was the chair of the board. And Michelle talked about he has a sales background and like he loves being in the middle of the deal, but he know he can't. Right. You know, he can only be select uh, deals that he that he gets involved in. I guess also if you can share with folks who maybe don't know Blue Star as well, you are not an organization where your executives are surrounded by executive assistants and bureaucracy <laughs> and all sorts of stuff like that. Like, so talk about that. Like, yeah. you know, there there are some, you know, organizations you walk into, there are all sorts of layers before you get to the executive yeah. suite. You guys are more are, I would say blue collar, but Essentially, that's that's the way it is. So I guess, can you talk about that in terms of there aren't all these layers of executive assistance? Yes. Uh, uh, that's not that's not the the culture you guys have. You yes, you're accurate. Uh, we just like to call ourselves lean. Um, yeah. So you know, and and I think that goes back to we were run by accountants, right? We're we're too tight to, to spend the money, <laughs> and so we never have had 
assistance. None of us at, at, at the executive level. We book our own travel. We send our own, you know, uh, scans and everything else. And we just we just do it all. And it, I have had people that have come up to me, and especially since I've moved into the new role, and said, "Well, you know, something about having an executive assistant." And I just laugh at them. I'm like, mm-hmm. "No." And honestly, at this point, you go, well, I've done it for 22 years without one. Right. It would almost, you know, be a slap in the face of others before me <laughs> if I was to go and get one. You know, I'm good. I don't really need one. <laughs> but but we are a lean organization, and we're not above doing anything, that's for sure. If we yep. have to, uh, you probably know this, but mm-hmm. we would be out in the warehouse picking orders if that's what it meant. And And we've done it. Right. So we've done it multiple times over the years. It's just this whatever it takes mentality and you, you dig in and you do it. And I'll say, you know, from a leadership standpoint, that goes a long way too. when other people see you as an executive out doing the same work that they're doing. It goes a long way. And we still get comments from people, you know, working in the warehouse and they say, you know, that was so great of you guys to come down and help us out when we really needed it. Amen. And especially the, 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 you know, the universe that we live in, right? The retail IT channel, the customers, your partners, you mentioned about that, you know, five employee partner that you talked with. He wasn't frustrated because of his executive assistant, right? They, you know, are they run lean as well. And so it really helps that you can, you know, you're walking mile in, in their shoes uh, way more. Uh, it, it's way more familiar. You don't have to try to get to know them in that degree. So that's right. And so uh, let's talk about keep looking forward. And so I know, you know, what I heard uh, in the community, what's giving Blue Star Partners confidence going forward or a few, you know, fundamentals with the organization. So first, Steve wasn't shy about, you know, the the principles and the behaviors that he valued, right? They're very yeah. clear to you. I know they're very clear to your employees. Also, you've alluded to you have a very strong management team, right, that has a track record of working together successfully. And then you yeah. mentioned Steve, you know, accountant by trade. He was a planner, so he did establish a succession plan. So can you talk about all of that together, you know, from your own personal experience and then also for our, our listeners and our viewers, the importance of having guiding principles and having a strong leadership team that can execute that plan when an emergency, when a tragedy occurs? Yeah, absolutely. And and those principles, those guiding principles, is it's not just words, right? I mean, we lived it. And for me, it's very important. Uh, you know, I've always said that if one, I didn't feel like I was heard, I wouldn't have stayed here. And two, if I was ever asked to do something that was against my morals and ethics, I wouldn't have been here. No job is worth, you know, uh, giving up your your own personal beliefs in that case. And that is, I mean, Steve was just dead on in that. We we had a very similar um, morals and ethics, and you know, he always just said, "You just do the right thing." And, you know, when you do the right thing and sometimes, hey, someone else might, you know, not do the right thing and you might get the short end of the stick. And if that's the case, that's okay. It's it's temporary pain, but you'll get the long reward. And so we always just stay with that. Just just do the right thing. You can't go wrong in that regards. So 
And I can't remember if you shared it at the memorial service, if it was Doug Bivens, if it was somebody there, but they quoted Steve saying, I might not know what to do, but I know what not to do. Like there were certain things you just like, I know I'm not going to do those things that you said, step over the morals. Is that. Uh, That's right. That's right. I, yeah. Where do you get the, the, is it just something you grew up with or is it always been instilled in you? Or is it somebody who really emphasized for you that like you just said, Hey, I'm not going to cross an ethical line, a moral line. Like nothing is worth that. No deal is worth that. No job is worth that. Did somebody instill that in you? Or is that just, you know, over the years, something that, uh, that's always been part of what you do? I would say Christian values. And, you know, as I, um, I didn't grow up in the church, but as I, you know, turned uh, mid-teens and became more active in the church and as I matured, it was definitely more, I would say, presence in this is what I need to make sure that I'm portraying to people. And you lose so much, right? If I turn around and um, someone can't trust me or if I'm lying to them, you know, just just stand up and be true to your word, right? Then then I'm going to lose all credibility, and not just from me as the CEO or the CFO, but me as an individual, right? And as a Christian as well. So I've just, you know, I try to be strong, and you know, it's it's not always easy, but you just try to be strong in in your beliefs and let those guide you. So I'll say mine come from the same place. I went to a very small Christian school for high school. We only graduated 15 in our graduating class. Like, I mean, it was really tiny. And so yeah. a small Christian school, and they said they integrate Christian teaching into every class. So I, I had an accounting class. I remember thinking like, well, how are you going to work Christian principles into this? And Constant Ripley was the teacher. And I remember she started off the class saying, if you remember only one thing from this class, and to this day, this is the only thing I remember from that. I hope you're not offended as an accountant background. I'm not, but she said, if you remember one thing, no job is so important that you compromise your values and your ethics for it. You're better off getting fired or quitting that job in order to do that. And I can say very early in my career, I worked for some organizations that uh, other people were going way over the line. And I was always like, well, no matter what the consequences are, I'm not going to draw that line. So I, I give credit to Constance Ripley uh, for doing that. So, but like you said, it's the, the yeah. foundation of the uh, the church and everything that uh, that's built in. That's right. I agree. And that's where I always tried to say, I always wanted to be in a position where, you know, financially, mentally, everything, I was prepared to have walkaway power. And mm -hmm. if that day happened where something, you know, I was pushed over the limit, am I prepared to stay or, or prepared to walk out the door? Or was I now a slave to the job because I hadn't prepared myself for it? So for me, that was always important is just make sure that you set yourself up where you can have that walkaway power if that day ever came. And luckily after 22 years, that day has never come. No, and that's why it's so important to pick, you know, if somebody's looking for a job to pick the right organization. And when you're hiring people to make sure you have people align with your morals so it doesn't challenge you, right? Cause you're not gonna have somebody who drags you down to go, you know, hey, lie, cheat and steal, it's fine to do uh, in this regard. Those things are way more right. important than the actual tactical skills of the job, so. Agreed, agreed. And you asked me about, you know, the, the team behind me and, and you know, I want to brag on them. We just have such a great team. Uh, the executive team, as I've mentioned before, we've been working together for 20 plus years for most of us. And 
again, you know us, we have been pushing the cart together. There's there's no one sitting on the sideline watching us do it. We're all pushing the cart and it makes it so much easier when when we're doing that together. And then when you come to, you know, emergencies, this is when I think we, we really shine. We've had a, you know, a handful of those. And when I was interviewed for the COO position, they asked me about, well, what would you do when we have an emergency and, and things aren't going right? And I said, well, for me, I equate this to what I do at home. If things aren't going well at home, something's off, the vibe isn't right, anybody in the family can call a family meeting and we meet around the family around the kitchen table and we talk about it how can we help what can we do how can we bring harmony back into the house again right and i told the the board i said look for me when we have an emergency we're going to huddle around the kitchen table the conference room and we're going to huddle and we're going to figure this thing out and it's exactly what we've done right we we did it during covid We've had ransomware attacks. We've had bad go lives. What do we do? We huddle around the conference room table. We brainstorm. No one comes in with, you know, the silver bullet. And then we just go and uh, put a plan together and attack it. So it's it's worked great for us. And I can tell you, there's just so much confidence when you've lived these kind of emergencies together and you know that we know how to get through them together it just you just don't have fear when you have this experience and i i appreciate my team very much for that this will be the second podcast in a row i roll off camera so i can grab this folder i'm gonna have to keep it closer but i keep in the front of our team huddle folder i've had this for years and it's uh mark simpson he was a controller when i was uh at uh, jameson publishing and he said uh we seem to have a crossroad approaching and we should have a discussion as a team so we can make a choice instead of having a path uh, given to us. And then it also has under it the Jim Collins quote, I don't know where we should take this company, but I do know that if I start with the right people and ask them the right questions and engage them in vigorous debate, we will find a way to make this company great. That really sounds like what you're saying in terms of like, that's really all that it comes down to. When you're reaching a situation like that, got to have the right people, get them around the table and figure it out. Yes. Agreed. A couple more questions for you. And sure. so uh, maybe folks are able to draw this out from what they've uh, been hearing as we've been talking. But in your own words, can you describe your leadership uh, style? I think there are some words I might be able to come up with uh, from what I've heard, but I want to hear you say yeah. it in terms of what, what your thoughts, what are you striving for as a leader? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny for, for me as a, as a personality, uh, I'm very even keel. Um, we joke around here that, you know, this what you see here is me when I'm terribly excited and when I'm also terribly frustrated. So uh, I don't I don't have a lot of ups and downs. I'm not animated. I'm not a yeller. I'm not a cursor. This is just who I am. And so, you know, it's. I think it it works well for for most. But when I think about my style and what I want people to remember about me, um, and, and my goal is just to be authentic to who I am. Uh, I, I try to, I want to stay true to my authentic self. There's a lot of people pulling me in different directions right now, lots of different opportunities. And I, I, I just don't want to become someone that I'm not. And I've told my wife, if you ever see me starting to change, you have my permission. 
you just call me out on it. And and I truly don't think that I can be a very effective leader if I've become someone I'm not. I really need to stay to my true self. So and, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go on. Well, I was gonna say, and with that, and and this is probably one of the words that you would have come up with now is just being again intentional about how I go about doing things. Uh, I want people to be um, to feel that I'm invested in in their success and well-being. So, you know, I want to foster the atmosphere around here that people feel as if um, you know they have a voice. We kind of talked about earlier communications. We need to praise our team more. All of this comes. You have to be intentional about it. And so that's that's the word I just keep mentioning over and over again. We have to be. And, um, you know, honestly, a, a little bit of my utopia around this is also being how we relate to each other on a personal level. So, and this one, quite honestly, is probably the hardest one of all of them. I have a song that I like. It's it's a quirky song. I'll admit it up front. But the name of it is Truth Be Told. And the premise of the song is, is that we go about our day and, you know, the typical greetings to each other is, hey, how are you doing? And the typical response, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Right. And you just move on. I'm like, but wouldn't it be good if if all you said was, yeah, I didn't really have a good morning this morning or I'm not feeling well today or whatever. You're starting to be one a little bit vulnerable, but I mean, these are people that we work with every day and we live a lot of life together, but we have this bit of a mask on. So again, it's it's my utopia, but I also say, you know, it, it's so hard because you, you just get in your routine, right? You, you come into the office and you give the patent answer and you move on and you really have to be intentional about saying, say something different and and be uh, just a little bit more vulnerable to that person and uh, i try to do it mm -hmm. i'm not very good at it but i try to do it <laughs> and quite honestly this is not just within the four walls of blue star right this is throughout my daily activity that i try to be a little bit more intentional about how i relate to others yeah, uh, Patrick Lencioni, uh, who some folks know as a business consultant and author, I just listened to a podcast and he was talking about that exact thing in terms of if you can get your organization to that point, it's amazing that people are actually telling you how they're doing, like up, down, struggles, things of that nature. But I think he agreed with you in terms of it's to get to that is more of a utopia. But if you can move a few degrees in that direction, you are going to have it's going to be more authentic and folks will be able to, to work with each other better because they're truly going to know each other better That's as right. opposed to on a, a surface or transactional level. Yep. And maybe there's a way that we can support each other. Right. I mean, you never know what someone the details of what someone might know that can say, hey, I, I dealt with that. Let me tell you yep. how I dealt with it or give a contact or something like that. So you, you just never know the rewards that could come from that. Yeah. And I will say just one point, because I know a lot of folks on your leadership team, you talk about having your, your wife telling you when you get home, you know, if you're not being your true self. I'm thinking a lot of folks on your leadership team, they'd be talking to you before you even had a chance to go home. They'd be like, hey, wait a second. That's not <laughs> the real you. Because uh, you guys true. do have a candid, you have a candid uh, culture. I mean, I've seen it we firsthand do. myself. We do. Yes. And, and I think that comes with a history, right? I mean, it's, we can sit in a room and we can yell and scream and fight. But the thing about it is, is then we can go and have a great time with each other because 
we all know that we're in it for the same reason. We might have different approaches, but we're all trying to get to the same goal, and that's just to be successful, right? So if if we can be that direct with each other, I think that's a good thing. Amen. Uh, so why don't we end our conversation today? I hope we can like go full circle. So yeah. I started asking about at the start of this uh, interview um, about the beginning of your career. So can you go back to that point early on? Is there a learning experience that was like hugely impactful for you as a leader? Like, can you think of a story or a situation that taught you something, whether it's 15, 20 more years ago that, that really even guides you today? Yes. And I, I, I feel like this is one thing where uh, I've, I've done pretty well. I've tried to mature on this over the years, but early on in my career, I was all about just trying to get done, right? You have your tasks and your multitask and, you know, people will come in and I remember I would just sit there and I'd be pounding away in my computer, never looking up, but having the conversation with someone and it wasn't very long until Doug pulled me aside and said, you know, to have this team allow you to lead them, you need to be more relatable to them. And what does that look like, right? So now if someone comes in and I'm in the middle of an email or a middle of a thought, I just tell them one second, let me finish my thought. I finish it. I stop. I make eye contact. I engage. I listen. I give them whatever that, you know, if they came in, it was obviously important to them to come in and take my time. So give them that time. Don't rush them. And and to me, that has gone a long way. And and being is part of that relatable. Right. And, you know, your question is full circle. My answer is full circle. If you if you can be relatable, then you can be trusted. If you can be trusted, then they'll allow you to lead. And again, and that could be 360 degrees as well. And to be relatable, you have to be present first, right? You have to give that person your full That's attention right. or else you give off the vibe, right? Even if you're fully listening, but it, yeah. if it appears that you're not, they're going to say, well, they have something more. There's something more important than me at this time. That's right. That's right. Well said. Excellent. Well, I was gonna. I've lived it. That's why I was smiling when you were talking about that because I, you know, I'm looking at my stuff. I have checklists. I have stuff I want to get done. But there are times where if somebody, your somebody on your team, one of your customers, if they need you, you have to put down your pen, your mouse, your like whatever it is. Like that's the way, and you have to totally uh, pay attention to them. I guess I've always said like I'm not smart enough to be able to do both at the same time, uh, and they don't feel like they're being listened to, right? There's something right. about, even if you're really listening to them, people have to feel listened to uh, as well. I don't know if that's part of what you're striving for as well, is to make sure that Absolutely. people know that you're listening to them. It's the connection. Absolutely. Great. Excellent. Well, last thing I do want to say to you is this isn't a question, but just thanks for your support uh, of the association. And folks might think, oh, you're just saying that because Blue Star is the platinum sponsor. But your team has been over the years yeah. very generous with time on committees and providing education and rolling out the red carpet for us uh, at, at Vartech and helping, you know, drum up interest in retail now. And I mentioned about Michelle Sirois was a past chair. Mark Fraker was mm -hmm. a past chair. And I guess just and I think you might have alluded to this or like you guys get that the channel has a soul right this isn't just transactional relationships so i guess i just want to say like that thanks for being you know channel guys and gals uh and and again for helping the rspa and 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 our community yeah absolutely we've got a great partnership between us and a long history so that's that's bodes well 
For sure. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. If you enjoyed our discussion, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorsp.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Ryan Gervin for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marketing Director Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.